Hello and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Broke Gaming Podcast, episode 21. I'm Ryan and I'm joined by some other PC gaming nerds, Chris. Hello. Tom. Hey there. And Missy. Hey. Together we take on PC gaming for the cheap and broke. Each week we gather here to find a great game for a great price. We review the prior week's selection and see if it was worth our money and time. Then we pick a new game and do it all over again. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers, potentially. This week's game is Total War, Warhammer. Our companion song is World Eater by Bolt Thrower. I did not choose that song because it is a great song. In fact, I think it's kind of a terrible song. But when we would all get together and play Warhammer or Warhammer 40k, we would almost always be listening to Bolt Thrower. And they've done Warhammer-themed albums, and so it just seems appropriate for the mood that this game put me in. So let's take a listen. I can't wait to hear this song. It's a lot of grunting, Norwegian-sounding death metal. Aw, nostalgia. (laughs) Yeah. So, Total War Warhammer is developed by Creative Assembly. It was published by Sega. It's available for Linux, Mac OS, and Windows. We purchased it on the Humble Bundle monthly subscription for $12. This is one of the games we'll get for the $12. We'll get more games at the end of the month. Sweet. Yeah, sounds like a pretty good deal. So, Total War Warhammer is the latest in the Total War series. And previous Total Wars have taken a historical setting and you take command of the army. So, there's Total War Rome. There's Total War where you like lead the Mongols. There's ones where you lead Napoleon's army and so on. This one throws history out the window and takes you into the fantasy medieval world of Games Workshop Warhammer. This game to me was a lot of fun. It really brought back all of the feelings and experience that I got when I played Warhammer the Miniatures, the tabletop game. I felt it was a very close analogy when you got into the battles to that. If it had been turn-based, it might have been a little closer to that experience, but I still felt like this was really close to that experience. So, first of all, the game just looks drop-dead gorgeous, which makes sense. This is a game that just came out mid-last year, so it's a relatively new game. The graphics are really good. I think the storyline for each of the races is pretty compelling. Uh, Mechanically, everything makes sense in what you can do. You have a combination of turn-based kind of overall world view where you're building your bases and recruiting your guys and moving them around. And then when your forces kind of clash headfirst into each other, you go into a real-time strategy war where you get to, you know, you move your armies around, you give them orders, and they they kill each other for your fun and amusement. Like I said, there's different playable races. In the base game, you get the Empire, you get Dwarves, you get Vampire Lords, you get Orcs, and then there's expansion packs for Wood Elves, Beastmen. There's all kinds of expansion packs for it. So I had a blast playing this game. I chose to play as the dwarves because I have a friend who's who's not with us anymore who always played dwarves in Warhammer. We even left little dwarven Warhammer miniatures to kind of stand watch over his uh, his final resting place. So when I was playing this game, it really brought me back to those good times and memories playing the game. So I have a pretty deep emotional connection to Warhammer. So my experience with the game, I'm curious to see what other people 
thought of the game because I realize I might be a little biased for it. This was a blast for me. What did you guys think of it? I felt that it was okay. I enjoyed the Warhammer lore. I'll be honest, in terms of Warhammer, most of my knowledge centers around 40k, so I didn't have as much uh, in-depth knowledge of the lore uh, this time around, so maybe that would have had a bigger impact on me had I been more familiar with it. And the battles were definitely fun. It was very reminiscent of the other Total War games that I have played in the past. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the other Total War games were not 4X games, is that correct? I believe there's some base building, but this one is a much stronger 4X component to it. What does that mean? 4X, it's, what is it, explore, exploit, exterminate? 4X is a genre of strategy-based video and also board games in which players control an empire, and it stands for explore, expand, exploit, and terminate. It was coined by Alan Emmerich in his September 1993 preview of Master of Orion for Computer Gaming World. Terminate doesn't have an X, though. Exterminate. Exterminate. It's extreme, all right? (laughs) (laughs) This was the 90s when this was written. Yeah, explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. Duck, dodge, dip, dive, and dodge. (laughs) Games like you mentioned, Masters of Orion, the Civilization Uh games, those kind of games are 4X games. Okay. Yeah, Heroes of Might and Magic. XCOM is another 4X game. Yeah, the old XCOMs, yeah. Yeah, the newer ones, a little bit less. Yeah, those are a little zoomed in. So I did really enjoy the battle system. I didn't get very far. So I feel that uh, maybe if I'd had more time with the game, I might have been able to get more involved in it. At times, when you are building up your armies, maybe because I was used to playing some of the older Total War games, and I really, really enjoyed the huge battles that you could have, and building up your armies seemed a little bit tedious and time-consuming. While I totally understand that, it felt like... little bit less in terms of of a Total War and more of a 4X game. And maybe that's just the style of game that Total War is uh, going towards now. I really did prefer, back in the day, the style where it just threw a huge army in your lap and a huge army on the other side of the field, and you would play with it and it would be scenario-based. So, not to say that this is a bad game at all. I just preferred that style a little bit more. I probably spend at least 90% of my computer gaming time playing 4X strategy game. That's my jam. So the fact that this included that, plus Dwarven Book of Grudges and building up your troops and all that, I I liked it a lot. Ryan needed some extra tissues with his computer. (laughs) A little squeegee for the screen, yeah. 4X games are limited in terms of uh, entertainment value for me. I did like Disciples was one of my more favored 4X style games. But we're not reviewing Disciples. Shh. (laughs) Well, he's comparing. You have to compare and contrast to previous experiences. I'm feeling sassy. Apparently. (laughs) I feel like there's just so much micromanagement to it, and maybe if they simplified it down a little bit, a little bit less overwhelmed. That's where the feeling comes in. It's like I get onto the map, and the tutorial is very light, so it kind of says, hey, we're here if you need your help, so just hit F1 and go search for all the stuff that you need to know yourself. Yeah. I didn't really like that approach. Every time you go into each area, it kind of helps you with that, but there were a lot of things that I didn't know what they did. And I felt like if I was just jumping into the game, I feel like they could have done a better job with the tutorial. The information that's there is robust, it's informative, it's detailed, and when you actually drill down into it, it's good. To a new player, it's not readily available. 
it is something that you have to search for. What you're referring to is kind of like the micromanagement and the choices you have to make in the game really replicated for me when you're building your army in Warhammer or Warhammer 40k tabletop. That you have to spend your points in a certain way and that you can tech yourself up, you know, for example, like, do you want more siege engines or do you want better short little guys with axes? Like, however you want to spend your stuff will tailor your army to how you want to spend your point. I did definitely feel that. When I got to the point where I started to become bankrupt and start to lose my units to attrition, I felt at that point it was a little bit too much micromanagement. And I know that's what a 4X game is. Too much to do, too early. Wanted to have my hand held a little bit more to learn more of the features. Like, it, it talked about going into a raiding stance, for example, and it said, so-and-so is in a raiding stance, and then when I tried to look for raiding stance, it wasn't available, and I figured out eventually that if I hovered over the thing, it, it flashed the little icon. So I went down to the icon, clicked on it, and it said, you can't use raiding because you've already used 50% of your movement. So I ended up never using raiding because I was always doing something else. There was so much to do, and it was very overwhelming, and I felt like maybe they could have had some tailored missions that would have made me feel better about it. I will say that for $12 for the price that we paid, it definitely is worth what you get out of the game. So, Missy, what did you think of the game? So, again, my background with Warhammer is in Warhammer 40k, which is not to say that, you know, I'm I'm opposed to Warhammer or anything. I couldn't get into the game, and I think like Tom said, I would have liked to have my hand held a little bit more. It seemed like the tutorial was a little rushed and a little lack especially for people like me who aren't used to the 4X games. Like, I've played Civ, but Civ is turn-based, and I I think I would have liked to see this game turn-based as well, kind of harkening back to actual Warhammer. I probably would have preferred that as well. Like, there's some games that have a real-time combat and you can, like, hit the space bar and stop. Pause the game. Yeah. Something like that would have been probably a nice addition to it, to get that more tabletop experience. It wouldn't have been Total War then? It wouldn't have. But it definitely would have felt more Warhammer. Because I've played the Warhammer 40k games, the computer games, and I had a lot of fun with those. But I think I like the style of those better. They're like a little more cartoony, I guess, would be the way to describe it. (laughs) This one was more realistic and beautiful. Don't get me wrong, the graphics were awesome. My machine actually chugged a little bit, and this is a workhorse machine. So the graphics are kind of up. It is definitely designed around people who know 4X games and are familiar with it. Yeah, and I'm not, and I think that kind of contributed to it. I think what you guys are describing is the same experience I had with the sandbox game that we played last time. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't get this. This isn't what my games are like. Yeah, you and I switched places this time. You were talking about that your machine is a workhorse and you had some issues with it. But Chris, you weren't able to get this to run at all, correct? Yeah, that's true. I don't really have much opinion on this game at all because it wouldn't even play on my computer. And apparently it is an issue that other people are having. Like uh, I go to Steam and I press play and nothing really happens. Yeah, I checked the forums and there are some fixes that work for some people and I tried them all and none of them worked for me. And I put in a ticket to uh, the Creative Assembly support group and it is still pending response as of this recording so (laughs) 
<laughs> it sounds fun, and I look forward to playing it. So, and I mean to say, even though this podcast concentrates on cheap games, I mean I think we all have pretty decent or powerful computers here. So, yeah, when we're saying that we had trouble with it, if you're yeah. enjoying this podcast because maybe your hardware is a couple years old or whatever, that this game will definitely stress your system. So, yeah, don't buy this if you have a system that's five years old. Yeah, it's not gonna work. <laughs> I would agree. This is a game that came out this year and is built for machines that are probably within the last two, three years, something like that. At max. I would not even go three. I would say at most two and top of the line two years ago, not the graphics card that just came down in price two years ago. So this is probably our most system-intensive game that we've played. And rightfully so. I mean, you're taking control of a huge army. You need the power to back that up, at least graphically. There's a lot of things happening under the hood yeah. that it's doing, other than uh-huh. just looking pretty, too. Yeah, I would have liked to get into it more and see more of the AI behind it, too. So what races did you guys end up playing? I know I played dwarves. Vampires. How was the vampire campaign? The vampire campaign, well, the little bit that I played of it was pretty neat. There's different heroes, I guess, that you can pick from. So I had a few counts that you could look through, and I think some of them were more difficult than others. I picked the easy one. I was able to pick various little dwarf lords to lead parts of my army as well. Yeah, and I had this little henchman that helped me out. That was pretty cool. And I played the Empire, which also was similar in the lord aspect of things. Have you played the Greenskins? Ryan, since you play this a bit more than, than us. I've seen Lit's plays of the Greenskins, of the Orcs and Goblins. They do have a different playing style and or base style. Well, every race, their armies are good at different things. I think all of the campaigns have a very similar structure. You know, you're in your little home area, and there's surrounding areas of people that are either maybe rebels within your your faction or an opposing faction that's near you, and you go raid them and conquer them and expand out, and then you start having choices like, are you going to go fight the vampires to the north or the goblins yeah. to the south? You know, you have to make those kind of decisions. One of the things that seemed interesting when I was reading along, it said that some races have a roaming type design. They have a like a horde type design, where as opposed to having bases, it's a horde of creatures that you move around the map. So I, I wasn't quite sure. I, I thought maybe the Greenskins had something to do with that, or if that's some mechanic within certain races. They have bases. Uh, that probably maybe is more like the Beastmen, maybe. I mean, I haven't played the Beastmen mode, but just going by what I know from Warhammer. Mm-hmm. That would make sense for them. Okay. They're similar to maybe more like a Mongol-type force. All right, so it was my game, so I guess I'll give the first review for it. So I will give it four and a half. You're all going in the Book of Grudges. I'm going to give it three helpful henchmen out of five, because it's very pretty, but I just couldn't get into it. I will go with three what-does-this-button-do's out of five. (laughs) (laughs) And I will sadly have to give it zero support (laughs) ticket responses out of five. That is a fair analysis. If you cannot play the game, it was not a good game for you. So, you know the law. Eight games enter, one game leaves. Each week we have a budget of $5 to spend on a game. If we spend less than that, we roll the spare change into next week. Every week we each bring two games to consider. We each vote for a game, and we can not vote for our own game. The game with the most votes is our next game to play and review. This week, we have 
$4.95 since we took a nickel to buy this game from the week behind. So there's slightly less than $5 to use this time. We are getting creative this week. <laughs> so my first game is called Downwell. It is $2.99 on Steam. Downwell is a curious game about a young person venturing down a well in search of untold treasure with only his gun boots for protection. Make your way further and further down into the darkness filled with nasty creatures and mysterious secrets to collect the spectacular red gems scattered about the rock. Step into precariously placed shops and buy some helpful items or level up between levels to battle well-dwelling monsters and uncover hidden caves filled with riches and relics. It is a procedurally generated game and no two trips down the well are ever the same. It definitely has a 16-bit graphics to it, if that, but it was $2.99 and it's gotten some really good reviews, so I figured I'd put that one up. My second game is Sid Meier's Pirates. It is $2.49 on GOG.com. They are having a 2K game sale this week. Sail the Caribbean, marauding all on the high seas, or ally your ship and crew as a privateer in search of riches. The life you choose is up to you. Face dogged enemies, raid unsuspecting villages, woo fair maidens, avoid capture, or dig for buried treasure. Discover what it takes to become one of the most famous pirates in history. I don't know much more about that game other than the synopsis. I've played all of them. I love every Sid Meier game ever created. Like <laughs> Sid Meier watching paint dry, I would play that game. <laughs> and this game is significantly more fun than that. If you remember the old Sierra kind of adventure yep. games, uh-huh. very similar to that. That was my jam. You can go around and raid pirate stuff and trade different cargoes and it's fun. Okay. I played the heck out of that game too. It was a lot of fun. My first game is Feist, or and it is a savage platformer, it describes itself. A desperate, savage survival experience full of stunning visuals, dynamic creatures, and a haunting soundtrack. And it does look like it's kind of a platformer fighting game, where you're a small creature in the woods, and the visuals are all kind of that silhouette style, a little bit like Limbo. You fight against other strange woodland creatures using sticks and logs and things like that, and it looks kind of interesting. And it is $3.99 on Steam, and my second game, I'm going to go for weird. I'm going to pick Hatoful Boyfriend. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm dead. I've never played this game before, but apparently it is a dating game where you date pigeons. And that is all that I know, and I think that is all I really need to know. And it is $2.49 on GOG.com right now. I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but I got two attempts here. <laughs> so both of these games that I'm going to recommend are actually the second in series of games we've already started. So my first one, and we've I've recommended and other people have recommended both, both of these games before. So my first one is The Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings. It's $1.47 on G2A.com. I really would like to continue journeying along with Geralt of Rivia along his epic journey. I really want to play The Witcher 3, and in order to do that, I really think we need to go through The Witcher 2. I like the first Witcher, but I think that there were definite improvements that could be made to the game, so I'm hoping to see The Witcher 2 make some improvements on the experience. My second suggestion is Batman Arkham City Game of the Year Edition, which is $1.67 on G2A.com. We all really, really enjoyed Batman Arkham Asylum, and Batman Arkham City is very similar to that, but expanded out. You have an entire 
entire city to explore. There are new bat villains, but you get the same mix of detective-y stuff you can do, awesome fight scenes, and I just, I really would like to be the bat. Those are my two suggestions. All right. So my two suggestions. The first one is Path of Exile. It is free to play on Steam. Path of Exile is an action RPG very similar to Diablo. The story behind it is you're an exile struggling to survive on the dark continent of Rayclast as you fight to earn power that will allow you to exact your revenge. This game was created by... They define themselves as hardcore gamers and have vowed that this will never be a pay to win game. And through my experience in playing it a little bit, it's been a while since I played it, it definitely did not feel like a pay-to-win game. There's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of missions you can take. There's PvP, you get your own hideout. There's definitely a lot to it, and uh, I think it'd be pretty fun for all of us. Are there, like, microtransactions and things? It's just all cosmetic? I believe that there are microtransactions, but it is mostly cosmetic, but I it's been a long time since I've played it, so I can't be 100% certain. My second game, I happened across this by accident while uh, perusing through BundleStars.com, and it's called O. RPG. And that's O exclamation point, RPG exclamation point. Like, mm, cookies. <laughs> this is a game that was created with the RPG Maker platform, and it looks like it's gotten some pretty good uh, feedback. The plot is, heroes always win, but what happens to those who don't? <laughs> the world is coming to an end, and the heroes return from home after their ludicrous failure to be with loved ones for whatever's left. Except this time, you're not going to play them. Who wants to play failures anyway? In ORPG, traditional roles are reversed. You play the NPCs and help the heroes along the way. See the story from another perspective and embark with a new protagonist in each of the eight chapters. Travel from front to back with awe-inspiring castles to your remote peasant village, from enemies super strong and big to end up proudly defeating pathetic slimes. Enjoy a collection of unique protagonists such as an upbeat jester, a quit-witted goblin, or even the hero's own family as you interact with them in an innovative way. Visit the eight chapters, all in a different style, with optional content to discover. So I thought it was pretty uh, cute and clever that they were taking it from the NPC approach, and they definitely, the feel of this game is it mixes elements of parody with a cool storyline, so it sounded like like it'd be kind of fun. ORPG is $2.99 on BundleStars.com. Those are some tough choices for, for under five bucks. I'm gonna go with Path of Exile, because free is always awesome. So my vote is driven by two ideas. One, that Nikola Tesla is amazing, and the second is if you ever get a chance to date a pigeon, you should probably do it. <laughs> so let's, let's date a pigeon. I don't remember the name of the game, but let's do it. It was Hatch a Full Boyfriend. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to vote for uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Oh, so I get to be the decision maker. I see. Or you could put us in a four-way tie. Or I could put us in a four-way you tie. You have st- all kinds of power. We do have tiebreaker rules. I would feel too awkward playing Hatch a Full Boyfriend. <laughs> 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 and I've played so much of Pirates before that I really kind of want to play The Witcher too. All right. So we go to our super secret double tiebreaking rules. Basically, what we do is the person who last had one of their games win is the person whose game wins. What if you've never had a game win? Because I don't think Tom's never had a game win. I have never had a game win because you hate me. (laughs) I guess I'm just going to have to wait to date that pigeon. 
Yeah. <laughs> so we're playing Path of Exile? Mm-hmm. All right. So that was Total War Warhammer. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other Four Color Nerds podcasts on the week's comic books, and Cut the Cord, our new podcast on original streaming content, all at fourcolornerds.com or on our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Edit. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep gaming, nerds!